This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Luxury Silk Ribbon. Find the perfect ribbon in our haberdashery department, now in unisex. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about are you being served? Hello. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. It is a cold, snowy day here in the New York metro area. We probably got about four to six inches today. Obviously not as much as our friends down in Texas. Oh, my gosh. And we have a lot of listeners in Texas. Yeah. So hopefully everyone in Texas is warm by now. Um, it's, it takes about a good week to get the episodes out into the podcast airwaves. So hopefully when you hear this, you'll be nice and toasty again, but man, we certainly feel you folks in Texas. Let's try to stay warm. We've gotten a ton of emails and Facebook interactions with some of our fans, Alan, Kenny, and Ron. And, uh, thanks to Ian for sending some more info to us on how council housing works in the United Kingdom, uh, on the point space system based on, um, your current status in life and things you may be struggling with. So that's great. Um, we also got a great email from Kyle, uh, and we got a great voicemail from Kimberly, our Houston correspondent, <laughs> yeah. who we hope is keeping warm right now. And thank you to everyone who um, heard the apartment uh, as soon as it downloaded, and unfortunately something right, happened right, with right, our right, audio right. engineering department in northern Mississippi. Mass uh, firings the... occurred at the compound. <laughs> They're all... Um, they got it... the tracks reversed. and yeah, yeah, so It was me, I'll admit it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Kimberly in Houston, she left us a great voicemail as always, so we wish, wish you the best, Kimberly, and thanks for reaching out to everybody uh, about that little goof. Um, lots of good Twitter stuff, lots of good Facebook stuff, got some emails and stuff, so... Thanks all around. And while we're at it, we're going to take this opportunity to remind you to please, please, please wear a mask. Um, If your locality is suggesting you wear two, then wear two. Um, Wash your hands. And as always, Black Black Lives Lives Matter. Matter. And you've all done very well. Yeah. And I will also say um, I'm the uh, vice president of graphic design for the uh, podcast. Um, (laughs) It's an unpaid position, unfortunately. Um, I made the graphic on Facebook for the week of love. Can you recite that from memory, Jeff? Uh, Let me try. Let's see. Mondays for meeting, Tuesdays for talking, mm-hmm. Wednesdays for wishing, Thursdays for touching, and Friday for some reason it had been torn out. That's very true, yes. And I made a cool 70s week planner with like little little jewels and little, um, what are they called, Easter eggs on it. I don't know if people actually noticed it, but um, that was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, I like doing little stuff like that. So who knows what I'll come up with next. <laughs> so um, why the hell are we listening to this podcast. What is the topic of today's show, Jeff? So today we're talking about Series 7, Episode 5, The Hero, which originally premiered on November 16th, 1979. Mm -hmm. And that week in the news, um, Ronald Reagan announced his candidacy for president. He must not have Um, won. I've never heard of him. That's weird. I think he he was um, governor of California at that time. 
and like is that a right? B movie actor. But maybe he was a, a better B movie yeah. actor than anything else. But yeah. anyway, whatever. Um, Paul McCartney released "Wonderful Christmas Time" just in time for the holiday season. Very nice. Uh, a controversial holiday song <gasps> that is. How dare you? No, it's not. It's the best Christmas song. Although the Elton John Christmas song is pretty fabulous. Step into Christmas. Have you not heard it? I don't it? think I've no. <gasps> what is it from? Um, I don't know the year, but it's like it's really cool. It's really it's very happy and like wonderful Christmas time is very happy and you know, silent night, Bing Crosby, more like boring night. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My favorite non-traditional Christmas song is Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Um, I don't know what that is. That's the one where she tells a story about this guy that she keeps running into all year. And then finally at the A&P, you mean you forgot Cranberries too? And, and do the Cranberries off. come in and start singing the song? No. no, no See, Jeff has not. a very anyway. eclectic sense of, of music taste. And um, I like pop 40 hits from the 70s, apparently. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, I got to say, before we get into the meat and potatoes of it... Um, you were right about season seven. About it being Cracker Jack episodes. Gems yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, which always makes me feel sorry for the fish. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the last couple episodes, Mrs. Slocum's a senior person. People are like pulling their hair out over that, how much they love it. Uh, the apartment was every. Oh, and I love the 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 the. Um, the tease made. I found the exact model of the tease made that was on the episode. Indeed, you did, Mr. Oh Brandon. my gosh. So, yeah. yeah, this is just another gem. They're all so good. Um, and also that week, uh, Miss Bermuda was crowned Miss World, but the pageant wasn't shown on the BBC because all of the sound engineers were on strike. Ooh. Right? So this was the year after the Winter of Discontent, where everybody in the country went on strike at one point or another mm. in response to the 5% limit on wage increases. And the whole reason that came about was that Th Margaret Thatcher ran on a policy of limiting union power. And she won um, the prime minister position mm, in May yeah. 1979 with an 8% swing. So 8% of labor voters switched over to voting Tory. And that's how she was her or her party was um, voted into power into the majority. Wow. And there's like a, I'm sure there's probably a, a enough content about Margaret Thatcher and the impact of her prime ministership um, to do its own podcast. But uh, not I've not heard I've not heard much positive about Margaret Thatcher, but perhaps that's mm. another podcast. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll start to get more and more references to the Iron Lady uh, as we get deeper and deeper into her um, into her her rule mm. over the United Kingdom, uh, as we get into the rest of the series, and we, so, we you know, the, it, I learned what a strike was by watching Are You Being Served, because they would talk about the lightning transport strike and the bus drivers yeah. have gone out on in sympathy and all that. So it does seem to like seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy nine in the UK sounds like a very tumultuous kind of. Period with with strikes and all of that. So yeah, it's a lot of a lot of content there. Yeah. So the episode begins with a customer returning a pair of socks <laughs> in the gentleman's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one apparently shrunk shrunk in the wash, right? And she he holds up this comically short sock yeah. in compared to this comically long sock, right? Now this is something and we've so, seen before, isn't it? 
Oh, it is. He does look familiar. Oh my gosh! Um, so this, but I didn't take notes. Did you figure out who it was? Yeah. Um. So this is just based on his um the way he speaks. This is the gay character that comes in all the time. I live alone. I have a flat. I'd like to buy the same oh. for my friend. And he also plays the uh, unisex Grace Brothers hair salon owner uh, in the movie who cuts Mr. Grace's hair. And he calls Mr. Humphreys deer or whatever. You're absolutely right. It's Raymond Bowers. Yeah. So he's That's exactly who it and is. And of course in this scene, he's like, I live alone. Oh, do you? So I, I wonder if he was sort of semi openly gay. And because he, every gay character on the show, except one or two, um, he plays. So he'd be a very interesting guy to kind of check out and see what who what he who who he was really. Yeah. Yeah, good eye on that. I didn't catch that at all. Um, so the gentlemen start making excuses about why the shrunk, uh, why the sock shrunk in the wash. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mr. Lucas starts off with saying, oh, well, you know, sometimes our wool comes from Shetland sheep and some comes from Cornwall mm-hmm. sheep. And the Shetland sheep are used to standing out in the rain all the time, so that's <laughs> never going to shrink, right? Because the Shetland Islands is like this little island way off the t- coast of, of, of uh, Scotland, and it's always Scotland, raining. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's so cute. <laughs> what a cute joke. Yeah. Um, and to your hypothesis, Mr. Humphreys asked, did your wife wash them? I live alone. Oh, I oh, see. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, Mr. Humphreys tries to question, like, you know, where did you wash it? In, in the bath. No, what did you wash it with? With water. Water, of course. <laughs> Mr. Lucas, you can take your <laughs> coffee break now. This is going to take a long time, right? <laughs> and then we get Lucas giving one of his uh, impersonations, which he's pretty yeah, good, he's good at. It's okay. This case has my full attention. My full attention. Uh, giving that Columbo impression of the actor Peter Falk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it turns out the customer washed them in hot water instead of lukewarm water. Which pleases and, Mr. Humphreys to no end. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then he defers to Mr. Goldberg to make the decision uh, to refund the money on exactly one sock. So cute. Right? Because, Love of course, it. of course, they're going to not give any excuse whatsoever to hang on to that money. Yep, yep, yep. Um, over on the ladies' counter today, uh, we learned that today is the day that Mrs. Slocum's pussy comes of age. Yay! And I had to call up the continuity editor in our center in well, Northern Mississippi to do some fact checking. Yeah, what does on this. the the spreadsheet say? Because there are, we have we have adopted a very stringent set of requirements, and a rules committee has ruled upon this. Have they not, Mr. Jeff? They have, they have indeed, Mr. Brandon, they have. <laughs> and so in 50 years on her birthday episode mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. in season four, Tiddles was eight, right? Because remember oh, last God. year, last year she was seven and Mrs. Silicon was the same age. So she was 49 last year. She's 50 this year, right? Okay. So that was three years ago. So the cat should be 11 by now, not three. Unless something happened to the original Tittles and Tittles got replaced and just she didn't sit, tell anyone. Maybe there was a time differentiation, space time continuum at Grace Brothers. I think that's the only explanation. Well, here's the other thing. <laughs> the, the show's been on for seven years and she had the cat in season one. Right, so clearly this cat is older than three. Now years hold old. on a minute. Now this is a very—I was kind of joking, but now I'm very serious. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing I say is ever serious. What if? Oh, this is. Okay, are you ready for a hot take? Go for it. That's how serious this is, listeners. What if? Are you being served the whole series, 
takes place in one or two years chronologically in the universe. But it takes 10 years to produce the show. So that might, maybe the hint from the writers, the little Easter eggs they place in the script was that Chittles is actually only seven, uh, only three years, no, whatever. The age of the cat is the clue. I have a whole map on my wall with all these yarns things connecting okay. sticks and things on my wall. Oh, like like the meme of Charlie from yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I have like okay. names circled and like people's faces, yeah. And it says Tiddles with a big question mark on it, yeah. How does the fact that there have been multiple Christmas episodes play into your theory? Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. I need to work. That's a minor detail. Minor detail. Okay. I, I need to. Ma- I have another wall. I'll have to expand my my research. On. And if you consider the movie to be canon, which you have said several times on this podcast, it is. Yes, I do not back away from that. How did they go on their summer holidays twice? Maybe they have a lot of time off, and they. I, I don't know. <laughs> it was the seventies. They just did a little coke and forgot what they did and did it again. <laughs> I'm working on In any case, Mrs. Slocum is really lavish <laughs> with her gifts to Tittles this year because she's getting a piece of southern fried chicken, a mink collar with a little bell, a record of Lena Zavaroni, and a clockwork mask. I thought it was so cute about Lena Zavaroni because I, I hadn't watched this episode since I was a kid. And I didn't understand the joke because she said, I only put this on it on – I only put this record on the record player when she doesn't want to go out into the rain because apparently right. the music is so bad she right. escapes. It drives her out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lena Zavaroni was a child singer. She was oh, a, okay. a, a child star from Scotland. Mm. And so I can only imagine what she m- might have sounded like. So Mrs. Loco makes a reference here to southern fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had northern fried chicken? Well, in New York, it's all northern fried chicken as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know what you mean. So northern fried chicken is actually a Canadian dish Ooh. where they bake um, or f- they, they uh, incorporate maple syrup. Of course into they do. the chicken breading. <laughs> and it is delicious. And do they serve it on a hockey puck or something? Or <laughs> They serve it on waffles. So if your waffle is not really well cooked, it could be a hockey puck. Uh-huh. Um but it is really, really good. That sounds I delicious. highly recommend, highly recommend. There is a shop in the Kensington Market area of Toronto. So if any of our listeners are in Toronto or making a, a vacation to Toronto when we're all allowed to travel again, mm-hmm. um, head to Kensington Market and look for Northern Fried Chicken. That it is delicious. delicious. I love this yeah. little scene with um, Mrs. Slocum um, mm-hmm. talking about her cat like it's her daughter. And she says, I, you know, in cat years, one year is for seven, so she's turning 21. So Miss, Miss Brom says, oh, are you going to give her the key to the door? <laughs> Which right. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know what that meant when I was a kid. So, of course, I guess when you turn 21, you're given a key. Because now you're old enough and, like, of course, you still live at home, which is completely normal. And um, now you get to come and go as you want. We're not going to wait up on you. Which is like a big deal. So that was very cute. And I picture yeah. like a little kitty-sized key to be given to Tiddles. <laughs> um. So Miss Browns and Mrs. Slocum play with their clockwork mouse a little bit because Captain Peacock isn't here yet. So they know that they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. Except, except the clockwork mouse escapes and makes oh, its way dear. over to the gentleman's side. So 
Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas are making a little bit of small talk, which isn't important <laughs> because all they need to do is set the stage for him to get scared of the mouse and jump yeah, up on yeah. the um, on the chair. But he's saying, so he stuffed a pineapple in the hole and let me know if it stopped up. What the hell was he fixing that he had to put a pineapple in it? I just love how they always cut back to the general's department. It's always Mr. Humphreys and Lucas, like, talking. And it's always Mr. Humphreys, like, gossiping about something. and like, telling some right. story. Because we gay men, we like to just go on and on and on. Reminds me of the time I was talking to my grandmother once. And how sometimes... It's <laughs> that joke. Because I'm a gay man and I go on so and on. So that's the exact point when Captain Peacock comes in. And he threatens to keep the whole store behind. He confiscate the mouse. He says there's lots of laxity and everyone is getting sloppy. And he's in a really foul mood. And Mr. Goldberg takes offense. I have never been called sloppy at work before. And then Captain Peacock points out that he's got an egg stain on his tie. Three of his waistcoat buttons are undone. And he's got a frayed cuff. And stops <gasps> the off, height of insults right? for poor Mr. Goldberg. Right. But Mr. Goldberg kind of takes it in stride. You know, they're all starting to complain about how uh, grumpy he's being. They suspect that something is wrong, mm. that maybe he's fallen ill or something. Or he's got um, problems at home with Mrs. Peacock. But Mr. Goldberg quiets it. He says he knows why, but he won't say because he was um, told yesterday in the strictest of confidence. Oh, what a what a valiant man. So they all pull it out of him. They remind him that Mr. Captain Peacock made him look awfully small in front of everybody. And so Mr. Goldberg reveals that Captain Peacock was buying some jogging shorts from Mr. Franco in the sports department, who saw that he had a boil on his butt Ugh. when he was changing clothes. And apparently it's quite painful and is causing him to be really irritable. Um, he doesn't say where on his body, though. He whispers it to Mr. Lucas, who starts up laughing, who then whispers it to Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Slocum, and she tells Ms. Brahms, and soon they're all laughing, right? And then we get Ms. Brahms give away a trope about kind of the idea of playing telephone. Yeah. I, didn't notice a th- I didn't notice a boil on his thumb. And so we see uh, Mrs. Slocum miming or gesturing, be- enunciating while whispering. So she starts laughing, right? Um, so much to say so they- about that. Like... <laughs> One, this episode, I have probably laughed more at this episode than most in the last month or two. Just, really? Yeah, just because you see the actors bust a gut, man. Especially in the next scene. Yeah. Especially in the next What's scene. What's so right? funny is, yeah, so the next scene in the canteen is hilarious. Um, don't, don't drink a lot before you start watching this episode. <laughs> but what it was so funny, and it felt very dated in a kind of quaint way, um, you know, you go, you watch television and you hear every curse word, except fuck, I think, on TV these days, right? In the, in the States, absolutely. Yeah. But in, in the UK after... Oh, after I think you hear more pe- in the UK and Europe than we do here. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. But what's interesting, in 1979, bum, which is the UK word for butt, was considered cheeky enough, no pun intended, to uh, not kind of be said out loud. Right? Or right. at least to be as part of a joke. So uh, Mr. Goldberg tells Mr. Lucas, he bursts into laughing. Right? Mr. Lucas tells, you know, on and online. They don't say bum, and they're very reluctant. And then they make the joke thumb, which is even cuter because they're not saying this word. And they don't right. actually say it until Mr. Harmon comes out and quite characteristically uh, ungraceful or subtle 
right. says bombing, and then it's like the funniest thing. My point is, by not saying it, it makes it funnier. I agree. You know, and the fact is, like it's just, a really good build up. The, the sensitive, darling ears of the great British public couldn't stand the word bum. So you had to be very playful about it, which I thought was very sweet and very cute. Especially since they, the writers are so wanton with the word pussy, right? And so you have this <laughs> word bum that's a little bit more innocent. And they give this build up to it until Harmon finally says it. I think that that is something that really makes the joke. And of course, there. Pussy yeah. is talking about Mrs. Slocum's cat, Kittles. Talking about Tittles, right? Tittles. And I'm, I, I, I would love to have, I mean, if you're someone who is, you know, 60 plus and you are from the UK and you were listening to this, get in touch with us because I would love to know if bum back then on TV would be a big deal. Would it have gotten as raucous a response as it did? Or is it really all about just kind of the build-up? That these yeah. characters that we know that talk about double entendre and sexual innuendo all the time are restraining themselves from <laughs> saying the word bum. I just don't know if it's a comedy thing or if it's a censorship thing. Like the BBC, like, you cannot use the word bum. If they, if they could say pussy in every episode, they would be allowed to say the word bum. Interesting theory. Okay, I'll, I'll get another wall painted up with all of these theories and we'll figure <laughs> it out later. <laughs> so they're down in the canteen and they're all discussing what? about other things that, that Captain Peacock has done. Well, what do you call it when they go all red and their eyes bug out? And Mrs. Slocum matter-of-factly says, apoplopted. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Which is a, one of her great malaprops. Yeah. So the word is really apoplectic. Yep. Um, but she, you know, the way that she matter of factly, surely and confidently mispronounces it, it's great. Hot take. What's the best? What's another TV show that you instantly think of that has a lot of malaprops? <sighs> British or American? Doesn't matter. Or Australian. Or Australian. Oh, okay. Duh. Come yeah, on, Mr. Kim. Jeff. Sorry. Kath and Kath Kim. Kath and Kim. Right. That's like half they, of the comedy of that show. Right. It's the Pacific and specific, the the mixing up of that, um, or uh, all of like the the uh, proverbs and aphorisms that they get wrong. Every 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 joke basically is a malaprop. It's so sweet, so funny. They miss they use the wrong word, but they're so confident of it, and they all right. misuse it at the same time. <laughs> right. I've done the research. You do the myths. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but that's another podcast. So, the the veins in Captain Peacock's neck were standing out like spaghetti junction. Gross. And so, yeah. So that's actually not um, a, a food. It's not a dish. And it's not a restaurant that serves a food. Uh, it's the name of an interchange of two highways, of two major highways, a motorway and an A-road in Birmingham. And if you look at it in an aerial shot, it looks like a bowl of spaghetti because it's just a whole <laughs> bunch of winding roads, yeah, right? Yeah, jeez. Um, and that's when we the puns begin, right? We get all these puns where we still haven't said out loud where his right. uh, boil is. Yeah. It's only been hinted at and we've been able to deduce it, right? So we get, you know, he can't take anything sitting down. Uh, we don't want this to spread. Well, is it catching? I won't say a word. I wouldn't be it would that not cheeky, be that right? cheeky. <laughs> and, and they're all cracking themselves up to be. And we get a best. spit take from Mr. Humphreys. Not yet. It's coming. Oh, okay, it's coming. okay, okay, okay. It's a little bit premature. A uh, premature spit take. spit take happens to the best of us. Um, Captain Peacock comes <laughs> into the canteen carrying a rubber ring, right? <laughs> which generally is something you use when you've got hemorrhoids or piles, right? Yeah, but the cute thing is he he comes in so, like, 
proudly with his like folded a newspaper or something and his little cup of tea and this red rubber ring. And he walks in just as they're all giggling like little kids. It's so cute. Right. Oh my God. He makes up a story about volunteering to test it for the health and safety department or whatever. <laughs> but he sits down on it so gingerly and you can see his face grimacing. Aww. He very clearly is not testing it, right? Yeah. Mr. Lucas says, well, you're going to want to bounce up and down to test it. <laughs> and they all start laughing again because they all know that he can't. And then the puns come again, right? Um, this tea tastes awful. Well, that's because they never bring the water to the boil. I doubt they'll ever get to the bottom of it. And then Mrs. Expect- Mrs. Slocum says, I expect they will in the end. <laughs> right. And that's where Mr. Humphreys does his spit take. And he could teach Molly Sugden a thing yes, or two about spit takes. <laughs> right. Because it was perfect. And what's right? so cute about this whole scene is the entire time Captain Peacock has to pretend he has no idea what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> Why everyone's so... And he says, everyone's rather jovial or something today, aren't you? Right. Uh, so funny. <laughs> and then by the spit take, he's figured it out. You all know, don't you? Yeah. So they all rat out each other. <laughs> And so uh, Mr. Captain Peacock is really upset with Mr. Goldberg who to have uh, stooped to this level of gossip. He's cheering him out, and at that point is when Harmon comes in and shouts to the entire canteen, Hey, Captain Peacock, how's the boil on your butt? <laughs> and everybody loses it. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so good. That arc is probably one of the... Uh, I know I say every episode is my favorite. I know. I, 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 I hope one day in 50 years when this is like, you know, in a um, crystalline structure re- recording device in space and there's a podcast museum that someone has made an, uh, uh, an ultra mixtape of me saying, this is my favorite episode. No, this is my favorite Supercut. episode. Supercut. Supercut, yes. Um, but I wanted, I wanted to say this is probably one of the funniest arcs of an episode. I don't know. I, like it's, watching people laugh makes me laugh, but so good. Indeed, and I think the thing is that all the actors are really good about laughing here. They're not faking the laugh, and it's funny. They're, They're probably actually laughing. It's funny. They're probably actually yeah. laughing because this is one opportunity where they get to laugh, where they don't have to try and <laughs> force themselves not to break. Right. So I need to calm um, down. I need a cup of tea to calm down. Shall we go down to yeah, the speak, canteen? Speaking of break, let's go on down to the canteen. <laughs> we'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag. Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Thank you. 
You know, that canteen manager, she never brings the water to the boil, so my tea never did taste right. Nicely done, Mr. Jeff. <laughs> I was trying to think of something to have, and that would be episode-related, but I couldn't. Um, I think I just had a cup of tea, so you win this one, Mr. Jeff. <laughs> so where were we in the episode? So we find ourselves in Rumbold's office where Captain Peacock is complaining about Mr. Franco to Rumbold mm, yeah. um, because he let he he let a, a confidence go that he noticed in the dressing room. You know, that's a sacrosanct area. Everyone knows where, the first rule in, in fashion and in shop and shopkeeping. Absolutely. Yes. Um, <laughs> my first instinct was to punch him on the nose. Um and so we see that Mr. Rumbold is agreeing that uh, he needs to be reprimanded for this. <laughs> and so there, I think he's, he's got a tattoo. And Miss Browns was recalling some other tattoo she had seen with, with a limerick. Oh, yeah. Of there once was a couple of rockers who went out with a bird with big and they cut her off. Right? Yeah. So we don't get the full pronouncement like the barmaid from uh, Sale. Right. That's why I think my theory about it's a censorship thing for not saying the word bum. Because you'd never say you knockers. No, no, but that's not true. Did uh, they? Er- earlier this season, when Miss Brahms was trying to speak in You're her so accent. You're so right. Ladies department, all right, Nick is a knocker covers what right. you want, yep. right? Yep, yep, yep. So it's probably they don't want it to be peppered throughout the episode, but it, it, knockers wouldn't have been bleeped. I don't right. know. It, it might be one of these arbitrary things where, like, you can say the word ass and shit once, but if you do it twice, no. You know, <laughs> it, it might be one of those formulaic right. things. Who knows? Right. Um, so anyway, Mr. Rumbold calls up Mr. Franco, who demands an apology, and we hear Mr. Franco laughing from the other end <laughs> of the phone, right? Yeah. Um, and so... Mr. Rumbold starts to explain just how angry Captain Peacock was <laughs> that he wanted to punch him on the nose and to take him seriously because he was welterweight runner-up for the RESC and Marisol Matru. I have no idea what so that means, but I have a feeling we're a about to learn. There's a lot to unpack there, right? <laughs> so the RESC is the Royal Army Service Corps. It's uh, a division of the Army. Uh-huh. I was okay. watching the episode, and I'm like, the R-E-S-E, Mercer, Mercer, I'm like, Jeff is going to spend 20 minutes just <laughs> on that sentence. <laughs> and uh, Mercer Matru is an Egyptian town on the Mediterranean. So if we remember, uh, Captain Peacock was in the desert fighting Rummel. Yes. Right, okay. All the way through. And so they made their way to Egypt, and Mercer Matru must have been where they were stationed for some point in time. That is so vague not vague which is very like spe- oddly specific but it's it's a it's a it's a deep cut yeah, yeah. deep cut that's what we love um, on the show and so welterweight uh for those of you who don't know is a boxing class so sports like boxing and wrestling you your opponents have to be a similar weight to you to make sure that you're at average sized up right mm-hmm. and so welterweight are people who are pretty much right in the middle right okay uh, it goes heavyweight are the heaviest and those are fighters over 200 pounds and then underneath it it goes light heavyweight middleweight welterweight lightweight featherweight bantamweight and flyweight and flyweight is for people who are like really really uh small in stature like 120 pounds okay huh so yeah well, there we go. Um, so Mr. Franco misunderstands what Mr. Rumble is saying in terms of just playing up how serious Captain Peacock is and mm-hmm. thinks he's really uh, 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 asking him to a duel. And so he accepts the challenge. He'll see him Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. for a boxing match. 
And then, of course, Mr. And, Captain Peacock is like, what, you stupid? But he can't because it's Mr. Rum- Rumbold. Right. So he has to accept it. He has to accept it. So we see him out on the floor, and he's sparring with a mannequin, right, trying to get into the, the mood and try to get into a little bit of practice. And everywhere throughout the store, people are applauding him. <laughs> One of the lifts girls comes around and gives him a smooch on the cheek. Everyone in this store is talking about the fight. He right? loves the attention, though, I'm sure. Because he loves the attention. <laughs> and everyone in the yeah. store is excited for some action in this dull, doldrum store. But Peacock is scared. Right, because you know, we 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 know he didn't really fight in the desert. He was in the he was in the Nafi in the Catering Corps. Yeah, and so he starts making up excuses about why he can't fight. Well, I never got Mister Grace's permission. You know, it would be really unkind <laughs> if he had this fight excuse. <laughs> and wanted to 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 forbid it. You know, because yeah. maybe there's an insurance reason or whatever. This is really just a reason for Captain Peacock to back out with a little bit of dignity. Mm-hmm. So. We get up, we, he calls up to Mr. Grace's office, and just before that, we get what I think is one of the most X-rated jokes that this show has ever done, right? Th- that is one way to characterize it, but do go on. PCO. So, so the please nurse... Please carry on. <laughs> please carry on. <laughs> We're such nerds. Well done. Well so done. Um, the nurse is playing pool, and I guess like the, her, her, uh, her cue ball is obstructed, and she says, I can only see a bit of the pink from here. Meanwhile, young Mr. Grace is leering at her in the back and says, well, I could see quite a lot from here. This is the joke being that she could see, he could see up her skirt and she's not wearing any underwear. He could see her private parts. And she is referring to, I guess it's a snooker game. I don't know what the name is. Yeah, but, I don't know if they're playing snooker or billiards. But there's like a pink ball around a cue ball that she's trying to, she can only see a little sliver of the pink of the ball that she's trying to get into the pocket. I I don't know. We always talk about this and I, you know, people like it, don't like it. Um, We had a negative review on uh, Apple podcasts because we talk about social justice and stuff, but she's people. Uh, If you don't like it, don't listen. But anyway, um, you know, it's just so misogynistic and like sexual harassy of him to do that to this nurse who's under his employ, you know, but eh, all right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it was, it was quite shocking to, to hear this. I, I guess I don't recall. Well, they probably cut this bit out for PBS here in the States. Um, but I, I, for as many times as they say pussy, and apparently we've said it a lot in this episode as well. Um, this was, this was really vulgar. Um, to be actually saying that he could see her privates, right? And uh, yeah, I agree with you that it's it's the height of the misogyny that we have in the store. Um, but you have to also wonder how much did these ladies kind of, I don't want to say accept, but acknowledge that part of their job was to kind of entertain this older I, I'm sure that was right? a lot of women's roles. Like, watch Mad Men talk to a woman who right. was working in the workplace in the 60s, 70s, 80s, or even 90s or, t- or today. So it's an ongoing yeah. thing. Yeah. I wanted to jump back because I just remembered something. Say it. Do you remember when Captain Peacock was pissed off? And uh, this is the beginning of the episode. And he said, uh, there's egg stain on your tie, and the three buttons are undone, Mr. Goldberg, and da-da-da-da-da, yep. and everyone's very lax around here. We need to get better. And he storms yep. off. 
the way I remember the episode. Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas give him the Heil Hitler salute as Captain Peacock walks away. Oh. Do you remember that? As a way of oh. saying, you're acting like Hitler, Captain Peacock. As soon as he walks off camera, they do the Heil Hitler with their arms raised. And I was watching it and I was thinking, oh, I think this is the episode with that scene. And it didn't happen. So I'm wondering if um, Brit Box, Brit Box um, edited it out. Because, you know, I understand they're not saying, you know, we love Nazis. But it's still a Nazi salute, you know. That's that is that is a hot take. I do feel like I recall that happening at mm. some point in the series. I don't know if it it would be a Mandela moment. It certainly wouldn't be with Mr. Spooner. It would have been with Mr. Lucas. Yeah. Um and we haven't seen it to date. I also watched this episode on Britbox. I didn't watch it on the DVD. Um That's a really good point. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Listen to me. So so listeners, if if you if you have the DVDs or you watch it elsewhere, um, please ring in and let us know about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so back to current time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Captain Peacock is um, uh, asked Mr. Grace for permission to have the fight. And he goes, of course I do. I've got a fiver on it. Oh, well, thank you for your support, young Mr. Grace. What are you, crazy? I've got it on Franco. <laughs> so he's going to bet against Captain Peacock. <laughs> he's betting against Captain Peacock, right? Aww. So Saturday rolls around, and the women are in their casual wear. They, Miss Brahms and Mrs. Slocum, look like they're going to the Grand National. Right, what they is are that? dressed a, uh, up. Is that like a, a horse, a horse race. racing? Cl- oh, yeah, okay. right. Um, all the gents are in red tracksuits, like they're Captain Peacock's trainers. Um, Not only that, for- but they look like the trainer from Rocky. Yep, yeah, very much like yeah, yeah, Rocky, it's okay. right? which was a popular movie at the time. Except Captain Peacock, who comes in through the lift doors, and he's wearing um, a sport uh, a sports jacket and an ascot. His usual. Uh, you know, interpretation of weekend attire. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he produces a note from his doctor that he can't fight because he's been given antibiotics. Blah, right? blah, blah. So all of this, someone has to defend the honor of the department. And so they all start giving excuses about what the men start giving excuses about why they can't fight. Humphreys has never boxed in his life, but we learned that he did wrestle in primary school. They called me Hugga Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Slocum starts going on one of her tirades, weak as water, weak as water, yeah, yeah. which we haven't heard in a while, so it's good to hear this make a comeback, right? Yes, indeed. And then Mr. Franco appears to a mild applause break. I know. And he so, must have been famous or something, right? He was. He was indeed, Mr. Brandon. He was famous. <laughs> So this is Jackie, Mr. TV Paolo, who was a real professional wrestler. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, and uh, he, the professional wrestling was always shown right before the football on Saturdays uh, okay. in the UK in this time period. So a lot of people knew who he was, right? And when we say professional wrestling, it means the same as it does here in the US or in Mexico, where it is an entertainment stage sport. It's, right? not, it's not just like an Olympic thing. It's like right. a dramatic... It's it's a show, it's entertainment, yeah. right? Okay. Where you've got faces and heels, heroes and villains, etc. Okay. And so Jeff Y had a um, a really interesting theory about this, and he emailed us about that if you're not an if you're not known for your acting, but mm-hmm. you're a celebrity in another right that like has made appearances elsewhere, okay. then you'd get an applause break, right? Hmm. Such as. Such as this, because Avril Angers, who was apparently no the Lucille break. Ball of the UK, no applause either on her entrance or exit. 
right? She got a laugh because she called her a silly bitch on the way out the door. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so what is the difference? So, so I'm a little lost. So what's the difference? If Avril Langer's was known was an as actor, an actor. Was an actor right? Oh, so if you're not an actor. But right. you're a celebrity in general, and you come and act on the show. That's what gets you an applause break. It's a great theory. I from think Jeff that might Add be that it. to your wall with the, the red yarn. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you, other Jeff. So we Good find thing. out that the sports department doesn't sell gloves that will fit Franco's big hands. Oh no. So rather than back out, and and Count to Peacock is so ready to back out, but rather than just accepting his. Um, uh, his uh, offering just walking away, his bravado kicks in. <laughs> yeah. and he ch- challenges him. So you're gonna, you're gonna, um, you're gonna forfeit. Oh, backing well, no. out, are you? Hmm. I, I suggest a different, uh, a different, uh, something different, like catches catch can wrestling, to which the uh, Jackie Palo turns mugs for the camera. That's my favorite because that's what he does every Saturday. <laughs> right? It's so cute. So catches yeah. catch can wrestling yeah, what is. is that? So that just means that there are every hold is allowed, right? And that's you. That's usually what's done in entertainment wrestling. So like WWF, there are no rules, really. Exactly. Okay. As opposed to um, Greco-Roman wrestling, which is what you'd see in the Olympics, where you can't hold anyone below the waist. How about Turkish oil wrestling? Well, that's on a different channel, and that's on Saturday night. Let's just take three seconds and just think <laughs> about it. <laughs> Okay, I'm, so I'm, as I'm ready to soon continue. as Mr. Franco suggests <laughs> wrestling, everybody looks at Humphreys because he just talked about being a wrestler in primary school, <laughs> and he and starts he to says, creep away like a like a cartoon, right? right. Uh, like a wily e. coyote, yeah, right? kind yeah, of yeah. backing away from the Acme brand dynamite. <laughs> and then when he sees everyone's eyes turn on him, he says, "I'm not free," and runs away. <laughs> So the cute. staff gather around him to help him do a quick change, and they rip all of his clothes off of him, and he's left in his string vest and boxer shorts. <laughs> right? And like a strange red cap that right. is j- situated on his forehead to make him look like a cartoon or something. It's a, it's a very weird right. look. Right. Oh, gosh. And so once Humphrey steps in the ring, Frank lets him in on the secret, right? Because... Mm. The actor is also in all the secret that it's all it's all stage, right? Yeah. So Franco says, "Well, we don't have any grudge against each other, so we've just got to make the fight look good for the crowd." <laughs> and so Humphreys is like, "Is just ready to." I'm to sure. Give otherwise, he, we would be quite good friends. Right. He just doesn't want to like get hurt, so he's willing to do whatever this other uh, Mr. Franco says. But he also just doesn't quite understand how he's going to avoid getting hurt, right? So Franco and Humphrey start going at it and Franco is explaining in Mr. Humphrey's ear what he's going to do. He's going to say the name of the move and what he's going to do so that he can prepare himself for it. <laughs> Which is so cute because it's sort of like, this is what I'm about to do to you. And Mr. Humphrey's is like, thank you for the warning. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mrs. Slocum recognizes every single move. So she must she watches watch it every day. the wrestling every Saturday as well. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, He's giving him a flying, flying propeller. <laughs> He's giving him a Patagonian nose hold, a Brazilian elbow jab. A Brazilian jab. elbow jab. Yeah, which is cute because it kind of goes against her, you know, upper middle class, lovely lady ethos kind of thing, you know, which is kind of the basis of all of her humor, really. So Mrs. Slocum yeah. tags in <laughs> and she punches um, 
Mr. Franco in the back of the neck. And he does this like... And before you go, let me just say this. If you watch poor Mr. Humphreys... <laughs> It looks like he's a freaking rag doll. He's right. He's picked up, and of course he's like pasty, pale, um, and he's got like a horrible little outfit on, and he's like spinning him around, um, sliming on the floor, and and like hitting his head with his elbow, which is kind of a comical thing. Like it's not actually hurting him, but poor Mister Humphreys is screaming, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what? John Inman did those. There was no stunt double. That was actually him. Yeah, that was him doing it. And like he actually was picked up and actually was done all of these things. Crazy. I, I don't know if that would even happen these days just for lawsuits and stuff and injuries. Yeah. Could you imagine an actor like John Inman being thrown around like that? Just the lawsuit alone. Yeah. So Mrs. Crazy. Slocum tags in and she punches um, Mr. Franco in the back of the neck. And he, he does, does a this flip, like, lands on the right. floor, and she takes her heel. Yeah, exactly. And, like, stands on top of him, like, claiming victory. Like, she pins him down. It's like she, she's claiming him, his body as her own. It's like, right. boom. It was so animalistic. And is, am, I, am I wrong, or is she wearing, like, an animal print dress? She is. She is indeed, Mr. Uh, Mr. Brandon. She is indeed. Uh, so Mr. Harmon pronounces her as the winner. It was just so – I felt like I was watching a David Attenborough <laughs> documentary. So Mr. Harmon pronounces her as the winner, and they all cheer. And he says, when a woman has a bee in her bonnet, we'd better behave. And then she says – when a man has a boil on his bum, he'd better belt up, right? <laughs> this is kind of like her weakest water moment where she's yeah, like yeah. Won, won, the, uh, won back the esteem of the department. And then, they, then they show Captain Peacock with his little ascot sitting down watching it all, you know, looking a little uncomfortable. And right. that was it. That was the episode. And that's the episode. Oh, my God. So this one is not my favorite episode of you? Series 7. Well, okay, if there has to be one of Season 7... No, there doesn't, but okay. <laughs> That's how your brain works, and we all understand <laughs> that. Um, I don't know. I, I just, if I laugh and I was like cackling. Well, here's why. Here's why. But right? Tell us why. Tell so us why. So the pros are you get Mr. Humphreys in a costume. That's great, right? And for this particular episode, the conflict is when the whole department bands together. I agree. I'll right? agree with that. They're not yeah. fighting each other where you get that Mr. Humphrey, uh, Mrs. Slocum and the senior salesman kind of conflict or everyone against Captain Peacock. And so, I don't know. I just think that it, it lacked a little something as compared to all of the other standout <laughs> episodes of this series. It gets more and more difficult for our Mr. Jeff, I think, uh, because, you know. I have a hard time suspending disbelief. Continuity, development. Absolutely. And like, you know, science fiction and fantasy are not my favorite genres just because I have a hard time about suspending disbelief. You don't like science fiction because it's not real. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's not realistic. Now we're going to have Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones haters come at us. <laughs> so that's right. Jeff. That's J-E-F-F. <laughs> Join us on our next show. That does suit Frodo. He hates you. That's right. That's what he's saying. <laughs> no, he doesn't. It's not that I hate science fiction and fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is starting to get into those absurdist plot lines that we see in series eight through ten. And there was that um, there was that show that you posted to. Uh, the Facebook group that said that even the, the actors themselves and a lot of writers like, yeah, we started to like lose the plot. And when the lighter writers can't think of like real plot lines, it's when this show starts to lose its magic. 
Now, this is like really when it starts to jump the shark, like fonts from Happy Well, Days. I mean, if you think about the crazy episodes, I mean, there's the one where they all have to wear um, hygienic disposable pajamas and all sleep in a space age bed in the basement of Grace Brothers. That's like one of the last episodes I, I realized. Marine's disease. Marine. I knew I should have kept my hands off those winkles. Um, which very felt relevant. very much like an allegory for the future AIDS epidemic, which is a whole other conversation. But yeah, I mean, it does get a little bit more crazy, but bring it on, man. Like, they can do no wrong. This is all gospel, uh, according to the book of Humphreys, if you ask me. Um, I just said that. I went there. But um, <laughs> what's going to happen next time? So next week, we're talking about anything you could do where the ladies and gentlemen's department have to fill in for the canteen staff. And Diana Yarborough, the canteen manageress, makes a non-Christmas appearance. This is where Mr. Goldberg speaks uh, frog. That's right. That's right. Ribbit. Ribbit. <laughs> and I just want to say that this show is the only usage of the word manageress in the female form that I've heard Everywhere. That's right. We are why we are mildly obsessed with the manageress. <laughs> I I don't know what that's about. But um, listen, it's been really great hearing from everybody. As we say, this is two way street. We talk to you, and y'all are talking back. So that's great. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Um, type in that does suit, madam. If you type in, are you being served on Google? I think we're on the first page. Believe it or not, we're like on the fourth page of results, Brandon. Damn it. Damn it. Um, we're also on Twitter, Does Suit Madam. You can send us an email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com or call the Peacock Hotline, 662 Peacock. That's 662 732 2625. And yes, we love your voicemails and we may play yours on the air. So let us know what you think. And with that, Mr. Jeff, you've all done very Thanks, Unanimous. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. The stunts on this podcast were performed by trained professionals. Do not attempt to reenact any activity you heard on this show. Oh, my head. <laughs>